one person will sign up and then he has like five workers. Those workers have multiple clients and the worker will like the software and then the worker will basically tell another client about it. So we grow a lot through like that viral aspect. And so any way you can get people to have like an invite system or invite your team kind of a situation into your product is going to increase that viral growth. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. All right, everybody. Today we have David Navote, who's the co-founder of Hubstaff which is a time tracking software which screenshots your team members and also tracks their activity levels as well. David, how's it going today? Good. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I have been running internet companies now for about 12, 13 years. Right out of college, I got started. I've got, this is my third company that I've that I've done, third, you know, fairly large growth company. The other, I, I've had some ex, some experience in e-commerce. Uh, I've had some experience in service businesses, and this is kind of the third. And really this, you know, Hubstaff exists from a, from a, you know, a personal experience standpoint, you know, it's, it's built for the pains that I've kind of dealt with in my past companies. Okay. Tell us about those pains. Yeah. So, you know, really it just comes from a, from a standpoint of like not having a lot of management experience and not having the ability to understand kind of what everyone on my team is doing and and kind of having projects overrun their budgets and having overrun time and just feeling like, you know, as the entrepreneur, as the founder of the company, feeling like kind of like you're the only one really trying to really push things forward. I'm sure that a lot of people have had that experience. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. Well, tell us about your your, your other two ventures before this. Yeah, so I had a I had a golf e-commerce business. That's where I got my my start back in like 2003, 2004. I started that and it just grew, it just kind of exploded, kind of like right place, right time kind of thing. I started with a book and we did we ended up doing like 25 DVDs. I worked with three different golf pros, uh, a few in Hilton Head, a few in Phoenix, um, and so uh, that company just kind of grew up from zero to like I think it was like one point. I don't know, 1.7 in its peak. And it was just like, it was very profitable information products. Um, so it was just selling a lot of DVDs, training aids, and books all based on golf instruction. So that was the first one. Then I had an SEO services company, uh, which is pretty like an SEO agency, just, you know, basically selling a lot of content. We sold a lot of content and, uh, you know, advice. And, and we had a, a small software program. So 
yeah, that, that's that's what I've done in the past. Okay, and why did you decide to get out of the the golf business? Uh, sounds like you know cash flows were pretty good there. Well, the, both those businesses kind of kind of died down. You know, one of the things I've learned over this these businesses, some of them have a, a pretty short shelf life. Even if things seem to be going great, you know, it's so easy for competitors to come in. Like in the golf business, for example, like I said, right place, right time. I was able to get at one point. I was getting you know. AdWords clicks for like five cents a piece. Now they're, you know, if you're going to bid on the term golf instruction or golf tips or whatever, you know, you're looking at probably, you know, dollar twenty five, you know, wow. to be. In, so it's like I don't know the I don't know the math on that, but not only that, but the conversion rates also dropped. So back, you know, in two thousand five, you know, I, my demographic was mostly like male, like fifty plus years old, and you know, I was the only one emailing them. It was all brand new. So they thought that, you know, somebody was actually emailing them, not an autoresponder. And so the conversion rates were very high. The open rates were very high. It was very uh, good times back then. And so I, in that business, you know, we just battled basically a lot of con- lot of competitors coming in with a lot more money than we had. And by that, I mean like big names, like, you know, Golf Illustrated started their own, you know, DVD program. You know, a lot of the popular big name golf pros that actually teach, you know, the PGA Tour players, you know, they, they started their own programs and, and, you know, they have big money behind them. They have big agencies behind them with a lot of money that, you know, potentially had, they have raised or whatever, you know, all that goes into ad prices and, you know, it just adds competitor, uh, competitors to the marketplace and just, you know, consumers got, you know, I wouldn't say smarter, I guess, but, you know, they, they understood there was more choices on the market. So anyway, you know, a lot of that stuff put together just, just led to the kind of demise of that business. Basically, we couldn't, we couldn't advertise profitably anymore. And so we kind of couldn't get new blood into the business. So it still lasted a while. How long was a while? So I started in 2003 and, and I pretty much stopped kind of paying attention to it in 2011. Ah, okay. So quite a while, eight years. Yeah. So yeah, I ran it for quite some time. Yeah. And it was over a million almost all those years. So it was a, it was a good business for sure. But, um, you know, it just, I, I, things run, run their course, you know, right. and the SEO business, you know, I mean, the, the thing with that is just all kinds of, we, we serviced mostly, um, other agencies and those agencies, you know, as they got pressure from their clients about getting the rankings, um, you know, and as SEO changed and Google changed their kind of what they like to see, you know, our business got hit by basically that a lot of those companies going out of business. So we went through a period of time where we were kind of like, you know, decreasing just because our, our clients were decreasing. So it was interesting. So the golf business, I mean, at its peak, it did 1.7 in a year. Uh, what about the SEO business? I think it was doing like 2.4. 2.4. Wow. Okay. It's good money. Yeah, it's interesting. We get a lot of people that look look to us for, uh, you know, I, I have an agency, they, they look for SEO all the time and, uh, you know, it's not something we fulfill. So the demand is clearly still there. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it costs so much more money now to get the results. So yeah, I hear you. Let's talk about Hubstaff today. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, let's talk about some numbers. What numbers can you share around the business right now? Yeah, so we are 100% well, I guess not 100%, but close, you know, in terms of uh, being open and transparent, we've got a blog where we share basically how the strategies we're using to grow. So, you know, in terms of numbers, right now we're at 72,000 monthly recurring. Okay. And now we've got a small staffing side of the business where we basically uh, match you with programmers and, and mostly programming, WordPress, you know, Ruby on Rails, that kind of stuff. 
Um, so we do a little bit of that. So I think total we're at like 84 or something like that monthly, but, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we're, we're happy with that is growing right now, pretty much at double digits. We went through a phase in the past, you know, a few months here where we've been at like 7% month over month, but pretty much double digit month over month. And so we're, we're happy with what it's doing so far. We started it, we took our first paying customer in like, um, I think it was the end of 2013. So it's been like two and a half years, you know, a little, little over two and a half years and we're where we are. So we're, growth has been kind of linear, you know, I think, and I've, through some of the interviews that I've done, I, you know, I've, I've got some people on the phone and, you know, from what they tell me, you know, growth typically in the SaaS industry is, you know, like kind of like a linear progression. Right. And you, so you guys are doing 84K a month, so about a million dollar uh, annual run rate. Is that sounds about right? Yeah. It's just it, like I said, it's just, you know, part of that's not like recurring. So we have, mm-hmm. so we have 72 recurring based on the software, ah. of, you know, some staffing. So we have, you know. Okay. So I guess let, let's talk about health staff because it's interesting. I actually just signed up for um, the software a couple of weeks before you. Uh, before we got in touch to, to get on this to get on this podcast, I mean, what's different about HubStaff versus other time tracking tools out there? So the other time tracking tools out there, you know, I we we built this in the first place, like I said, because we felt like remote business was on you know the rise. I was never comfortable with my employees just being like, okay, Dave, you know, I worked eight hours a day. Like if they were, let's say, they were over in you know the Ukraine or. Romania or the Philippines or wherever, like the other time tracking tools, like a lot of them just have like a timesheet. They're like a timesheets tool. And it's like, okay, just enter your time. Or it could be a little more advanced where they have like an actual desktop app and they can they can track to a project. But still, it's like there's no validation of the work being done. So with Hubstaff, you can see the work unfold like like before your eyes. So you can see like if I give the example a lot, like if you have a design being done, like you just have to log in and you can see the work being done in real time. So you don't have to actually like email that contractor and ask for the design update and then wait like a day for him to email you back. And then because of time zone issues and everything else. So it's really built for teams that are in different time zones, working at different times so that so it really lessens the gap in the communication and makes kind of remote teams run a lot more smoothly. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, you know, what I was struggling with, because we have a distributed team, is sometimes, like you mentioned, you know, if you're hiring virtual assistants, whether they're from Honduras, Philippines, or whatever, or somebody's just, you know, in New York or something, you know, it's it's helpful to know what's going on, especially when you haven't established that that relationship where the, the trust is just there, you know? Right. So, you know, that's, that's why I signed up for it in the first place. Now, I think some of the resistance initially, my resistance at least was, you know, this might be a little too big brothery. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, first of all, the, there's lots of different use cases for, you know, Hubstaff, the software that we have. But like the take on the Big Brother stuff, I mean, it's like, I think the days of, like, for example, let's just say you have a company, like a little bit upmarket, like let's say that you are a general or, or like a, a marketing manager and you've outsourced to a team. They want you just going to hire 10 people over in, like I said, the Ukraine or something like that to do a full new front end on a website or something like that, right? The days of being like, okay, it's, we're just going to charge you per, per person. They're going to work full time. You're just going to trust us that they're working full time for you. Mm-hmm. 
And at the end of the month, we're just going to bill you $48,000 for, you know, whatever, 4,000 times $4,800 a month per person or whatever. And that's going to be your rate. You know, like (laughs) that, the days of that, I think are just like over, you know, I think they're, they're coming to an end. And so, you know, my thing is like my team, at least my team that I've hired, the people that the team that I've assembled, they don't mind the screenshots. I don't really even look at the screenshots, to be honest. It's there if I need it, but I might check like once every two weeks on a specific thing. Uh, it's generally, like I said before, to see things unfold. I'm not the type that spends my time going through the screenshots. I just have more important things that I got to get done, you know? But yeah, I mean, I think they use it, my team uses it as actually proof that they're doing a good job. And that their job is secure, you know, because as a remote worker, you don't have a lot of things that, that it's, sometimes it's hard to prove your value. And with Hubstaff, you know, you can see that value just like, you know, immediately. Like I can tell my team is great. Makes sense. Yeah. And you can tell when, I mean, when you look for me, you know, looking at HubSpot, I mean, there's Hub, HubSpot, HubStaff. Yeah. When you look at it, I mean, for me, I look at the dashboard, you can compare your team, you look at the activity levels, you look at the screenshots. If everybody's above 80% activity levels and somebody's hovering around 50%, you might know something's wrong right off the bat. So I, to me personally, that that's, that's helpful. And like you said, I'm not going to look at the screenshots all the time. Maybe every, for me, maybe every month or so. Yeah, exactly. So how did you guys go about acquiring, let's just say your first 100 customers? Yeah. So it, our growth really has occurred. I do have a background in SEO, so that helps, but Google has been like a lot of people say, you know, hey, I hate Google. Like I love Google because Google is where we acquire almost all of our customers in one way, one shape, form or another. You know, like we do not have a sales team. We've experimented with a sales team or a salesperson, I should say, but we don't have a sales team. Uh, For us, the math doesn't seem to make sense. We charge like $5 a user. Um, We have a $10 user plan as well. If you want the extra stuff like, you know, um, Applicate. We also monitor applications. We out, we monitor websites. So you know we have budgets. There's a lot of things in our premium plan, automatic payroll. So there's a lot of things that you get extra for a, for an extra fee. But in general, people find us on Google, and that's still the case. We did we did a small advertising campaign to start off with when we first started back in 2012, 13. We still advertise. Like right now, I think last month we spent about five thousand um, dollars in advertising. It's not even directly profitable currently, but we are seeing good growth. And, um, you know, we're doing things like Facebook like campaigns. Make a long story short, I guess, our first 100 users were pretty much from Google. We do get a lot of growth from like word of mouth as well, but Google pretty much is the main thing. Okay. And when you say you guys did SEO, what did you guys do exactly? So, like, most of it has to do with content, content, uh, marketing writing really good informative posts on on various different topics. We do content on a lot of remote team type topics. So like when somebody is entering in a keyword for us, it's typically like remote team software, remote team work software, uh, remote monitoring software, things like that, remote team uh, time tracking, all those keywords, you know, we really hammer on. And so when when we talk about you know, SEO for us, really, it's about content. We don't do any kind of link building. Uh, we do like the, like the, I guess the very, very low, low hanging stuff. Like we will get included on directories, uh, like GetApp and Captera and things like that. But for the most part, we 
just put out a lots of good content and that content, the links kind of build naturally. We do, obviously we do, uh, we do a little bit of social stuff, but yeah, that, that it, for us, it's a matter of just putting out the content and, and, and becoming a, uh, an authority in the space that you're in and the rankings kind of happen naturally, you know? Okay. So can you walk me through what you guys are doing in terms of content? I mean, you know, what does yeah. a typical post look like exactly? And what, what are you, how much are you guys writing per, per week and things like that? Yeah, sure. So, so right now we publish about three to five posts a week. So that's the first thing in terms of frequency. We put anywhere from about $75 to like $275, depending on, on how it's written and, and what it takes to write it into a budget. So that includes like a blog header, the images, that kind of thing. We have a stock photo account that we use sparingly. We don't use it very much. We have custom images done. Um, I've got a team that does the images. I've got like three or four designers that do the images. And then in terms of the writing, you know, I have a content editor. I've got actually got a content editor. I've got a writer. And then we have like four or five other writers that actually will give us like a first draft. I produce content. I produce the growth content. So like how we're growing the company. Sometimes I have help with having that content written. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a video. I typically do like an outline that outline probably is about 700, 800 words. So it's a big outline, very advanced. And then basically what I'll do is do a screen share video going through the outline so that the writer can tell my tone of voice and where I want emphasis and focus. And lots of times I'll expand and it really helps them tell my story. If you hear about like lots of times when they, you know, if you talk to an author of a book, lots of times they're not the ones actually writing the words. You know, it's their story, it's their ideas, but they're not the ones actually writing the words because it's not what their gift is, you know. And so writing, I can do, I can write well, but man, it takes me like 10 hours to produce one of those posts, you know. And so I got, I got it down through this process of making the videos and the outline. I get it down to about an hour and a half, two hours per post. And so I can produce a lot more content. We do roundup posts. We do uh, SEO generated posts. Like we'll do a post on the top five remote work software and and the competition, that kind of thing. What does SEO generated posts mean? That just means that like I'm writing I'm writing based on a certain keyword. So when you talk about the growth posts, I don't do any of that based on a keyword. I do that from the heart. You know what I'm saying? And when we talk or based on like you know, a story, the real story of what's going on. When we talk about an SEO post, that is with a keyword in mind. And so you're writing the content with that keyword in mind from the start. That's all that means. And so, but no matter what kind of post we're doing, I mean, they range between like 1,200 and 3,000 words. So you're, you're talking about long, in-depth content. And the other thing is it's set up right. So it's all set up with the right on-page stuff. It's all set up. All the images are tagged. And so I've developed... Like one of my strengths is like processes and developing like a step-by-step process for getting things done. And so we've got this thing kind of down to a science now. And so it's all being, you know, set up right. And it's all like I, I just taught my team how to do that through a process of Google Docs and videos and things like that. Okay. Now, you talked about how, you know, the content right now is, you know, it's, it's getting you guys a good amount of links. You guys are getting, you know, good rankings from it, good traffic from it. Now, obviously, you know, when you're starting out, those links aren't going to come uh, automatically. Now, how are you guys going about, what does the content promotion process look like? Because a lot of people forget about that. 
Yeah. So I've heard a lot of people say, you know, hey, you got to spend 80% of your time on promotion and 20% or 50 50 or whatever. I mean, I would say on our team, we probably spend more like 65% writing and 35% promoting. So we need to work on that aspect of it. The thing is that here's what I would say, I guess. What I've learned is that the, the better your content is, if you write really good content, it's very easy to promote. It's almost like just being like, hey, check this out. People will be like, yeah, that's really awesome. You know what I mean? Like, so if you write really great stuff, it promotes itself almost. I've got a few posts that just like there's they're getting they've been getting traffic for years now because it's just it's just topics that that resonated really well with with the startup community or whatever. But then if you write a crappy post or it's a post on, you know, like the top five, whatever, those posts are very hard to promote, if it makes any sense. So those do not get any natural traction. So what we do is number one, we promote, we work on the promotions really only of the posts that are going to promote themselves anyway. Does that make sense? So you pick your battles. And then after that, we put it out on Reddit. We put it on, we used to put a, do a lot on Hacker News. Um, what we found is that that didn't actually convert at all for us. Um, so we kind of stopped doing that. We post stuff on inbound. We post stuff on growth hackers, post stuff on, we turn things into an infographic and we'll put that on imager. We'll put it on visually uh, we'll make SlideShare presentations. We have made, we've experimented with videos on YouTube. But all of that comes from the post first and foremost, the blog content. And then it's just a matter of recycling that content into other formats and then posting that format, you know, posting that content on the outlet, you know, that it's meant for. Yeah, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot when it comes to content. And I guess the question would be, you guys have, you know, up till now... How much monthly visitors are you guys currently driving from the blog right now? Yeah, so our blog right now, I think it's around 40,000 a month. And we drive, I think, I, I wish I had this number off the top of my head, but I think last month we drove about 100 trials from the blog. You know, so that's that was pretty good. We So we had, to put that, to put that in perspective, we had 1,500 trials start up last month. So we got about a little less than 10% from the blog first time visitors to the blog meaning like your first touch with us is on the blog or a blog post then you come to the site and sign up interesting okay and how much is a free trial worth to you guys well i don't have that stat i don't have that it's in a it's an error i mean i guess i could figure it out we do about so every month we do about we're doing about five thousand four forty four hundred five thousand in between that in terms of net new mrr so your question's a little complex because it takes you got to take into account churn and everything else. But what I can say for sure is that we get about like 1,400, 1,500 trials started a month. That's up pretty drastically in the past like two months because we were down at like 1,100 just a few months ago. And then we get about 200 paying clients per month. So we're converting – last month we got a lot – I think like 220 or something like that. So we're converting at – like thirteen percent, seven, set, yeah. I mean, between thirteen and seventeen percent. Okay, great. Now, so you mentioned, uh, you know, the blog was a big piece of it. So you got, you guys are getting, you know, a hundred signups from the blog. Now, where are the other? You had fifteen hundred. Right? Where are the other fourteen hundred coming from? A lot of word of mouth. They're coming directly to our site. So all the keywords that we rank for directly on our to our site. So like time tracking with screenshots, for example, remote team, like 
a lot of a lot of stuff just goes directly to our site as well. So a lot of that is Google as well. We run ads on Captera, we run ads on on Git app, but like over fifty percent of it is just viral in nature. You know, you said you heard about us on a podcast. Um, we do have a podcast now of our own that we're doing, but like a lot of it's viral because like, and that's one thing that's a big, I think a big lesson for anybody listening is like out of all these companies that I've run in the past, one of the most exciting parts about Hubstaff is that people come to us without like a lot of outreach from us. So we're not doing a whole lot of out personal, like it's not like uh, pulling teeth, you know what I'm saying? It's like they're coming to us because it's a needed service and and because we have a good product and word of mouth. And so what happens is like one person will sign up and then he has like five workers. Those workers have multiple clients and the worker will like the software and then the worker will basically tell another client about it. So we grow a lot through like that viral aspect. And so any way you can get people to have like an invite system or invite your team kind of a situation into your product is going to increase that viral growth. Makes sense. So, all right. Well, we talked a lot about, you know, we, we went a little granular. We zoomed in a little bit. I want to zoom out now. Tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing the business. My biggest struggle right now is that we don't have a repeatable sales cycle. So if you took away Google, we've talked a lot about Google and, and that kind of thing. If you took that away or if that if all of our rankings went away one day or, if it, you know, whatever, like our business would be hurting quite a bit. And we don't have like a way to like reach out to say, hey, Eric, you know, you should check out Hubstaff. And, you know, you get, I'm sure you get a lot of those emails, that kind of thing. And I'm sure that worked for some businesses, but it hasn't worked for us based on, you know, a lot of that's based on the math and how much we charge, I think. But yeah, we don't have a repeatable sales cycle or, you know, we don't, our ads, like I said, are not profitable right now. So the repeatable sales cycle is, I think, a problem that of ours currently. Makes sense. And what are you guys doing to to address that? <laughs> Nothing, man. We're we've accepted that kind of we've accepted even though that's a challenge, we have other really positive things. And so we're focusing on the things that do work. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Like I've read a lot of books, even older books and management books and things like that. You know, it's like lots of times your best way forward is to focus on the positive. So they say like when you have like a, a team member even like, you know, working for you, like they can have a lot of negative traits. But that's not your job is to worry about the negative. Your job is to worry about the positive and highlight that positive because he's generally or she is generally strong at one very specific thing. And your job is to is to bring that out. You know what I'm saying? So we also have positive things that we that we know are working for us. Um, and so what we're doing instead is we're doubling down on on the things that are working. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, it's I think it's the curse of a lot of startups nowadays is trying to do too many things at once. And I think I mentioned it on a few podcasts where you just have to hundred uh, x down on whatever is working. That's what's going on. So cool. All right. Well, what's how old are you right now? I'm thirty six. Thirty six. Okay. What's one piece of advice you give to your twenty five year old self? The one thing I think is to create something, and I guess what I mean by that is like a lot of people don't have things in their name and you know whether it could be a blog in your name it could be a business that you've started it could be it could be a product it could be a lot of things but like for me i've made the biggest wins and progressions in my life when i have been able to go out and create something that it doesn't really matter so much if it exists in the marketplace currently it's just a matter of like 
it gives me something to sell. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So many people don't have anything to sell. And so they can't go off on their own and do their own thing. Interesting. Okay. So your advice would be to start sooner in a sense. To create, well, to create something, you know, to create something that's yours that you have profits on, that you have profit margins on. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Great. What's one productivity hack you can share with everyone? To look at yourself as a project manager versus a doer. What I do is I got a team of people, but like, you know, I look at myself as like I'm managing their work, not, I'm not doing the work myself, you know? And so for me at the end of the day, like I know all these different, I've got like, it's amazing. Like I've got like 50 different things moving forward at the same time. I was stuck, you know, two years ago because I was trying to do it all. And these people, you know, they, I mean, yes, they do cost money, but like, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs are still trying to really do everything themselves as well as, you know, hire the team, but then they're micromanaging everything the team does and just get stressful. You know what I'm saying? So as a project manager, you got to look at like, we've got our businesses really defined in like in goals. And so I, I, I can track really easily the progress of each of these goals. And I know that my team's working on the right stuff. So a lot of these project management skills, just at their ground level, you know, like if you can implement those things, I think you'll, your productivity will feel really spiked, you know? Great. I love it. Now, what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? I'm reading it right now. It's really interesting. It's a book called Scale, David Finkel. It's, it's actually an amazing book. It's, I think I've heard of it. I haven't, I haven't picked that one up, but we'll drop that in the show notes for sure. It sounds like a really interesting one. Is it all about growth? What is it about? It's like I resonate with it a lot because it's about – it's like management, growing a company. But it, but it comes at you from a from perspective of these guys are real. Like they, they've done it. It would be like talking to a dude that you know, has started several $15, $20 million companies, you know, kind of like t- giving you everything he knows on – what he's done to grow his companies. Interesting. It's not like really internet driven or like startup. It's not for like that type of company, like specifically it's for any company. Okay, cool. Well, we'll drop that in the show. That sounds like an interesting one that I'll probably grab after this, but David, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. So just Dave at Hubstaff is my email. Uh, Dina vote. N E V O G T is my Twitter. I write, you know, the stuff on my blog is blog.hubstaff.com forward slash grow. Get a lot of interesting stuff there that we talked about today and, and a lot more regarding hiring and finding people to work for you, things like that. Yeah, it's fantastic. David, this has been great. You know, everyone check out Hubstaff. You know, I, I'm loving it so far. I've been using it for a couple of weeks. Again, thanks again, David. All right, thank you. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K, and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.